today, Truly Free in 2017. Truly Free in 2017. And for those of you that ordered copies of the book, I was able to get something called a, a book club edition that's actually just a little shorter and a little smaller than this book, but it was $6 versus 18 And so if you want the big one, I can order you one, and they're $18. But if you're okay saving 12 bucks, they're back there. They're 6 bucks. You can take one. I, I'd encourage you to get a copy of the book because there's some things he covers in the book that I'm not going to cover. Um, but then we've also ordered study guides that go with them. And so people have asked, well, what's this for? Uh, as we start walking through this series, there's going to be some things in our lives that we're going to recognize that there are some bondages that need to be broken. And these give some other scriptures and some daily devotions. And so you can look at them. They're on the back table. Uh, if you want a copy of that to go with it, you sure can. There are actually DVDs that go with it if you want to pick those up. Um, of course, I'm going to take these, this message and really make it me and make it our church and make it what I feel like the Lord is saying to us. And so the way I say it is going to be different than the way he says it. And so sometimes hearing two people say it really just makes it a little bit clearer. And so that's why I'd encourage you to get a copy of the book and do that. And so as we transition from Christmas to truly free in 2017, because Christmas is all about what Jesus came to do. We celebrate his coming. I mean, we, we celebrate and look forward to his second coming, but he came. And what did he come to do? Well, the scripture tells us what he came to do. He came to seek and save that which was lost, okay? He came to give us life to the full. That's what he came to do. That doesn't mean he came to take us to heaven. He came to give us right now life to the full, okay? This is what it's about. First John chapter three, verse eight says, the son of God came to destroy the work of the devil. Now, how many of you know when Jesus died, we celebrate this at Easter, he died. What did he say? It is finished. So everything he came to do is finished. But you got to understand, the devil's a sore loser. So he didn't just go home because the game was over. He doesn't play fair. He has to play by the rules because God gave them, and so he can't break the rules. But there are ways that he can come into our lives and keep us in a bondage, even though we're on our way to heaven. And that's what this series is all about. And when we were at Christmas Day service in Denver, we watched a video that I want to show you today because uh, as I was listening, I've heard this song so many times. It's a song of David Phelps. If you know David Phelps, he's a singer. Uh, he sings, Oh Holy Night. Heard the song, Oh Holy Night, uh, a lot. And, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really a fan of the song. Uh, but for some reason on Christmas Day, the words, especially of verse two, struck a chord in my heart because it's so what we're talking about. It's the transition from Christmas to being free. And so I want you to pay attention to the words. Don't just be entertained. Feel free to worship along. Get excited as the Lord moves on your heart. But here's David Phelps singing, Oh Holy Night.
shall he break and all oppression shall cease you'll probably hear that song more as we go through the month we might even just start every uh, sermon with it because it's a great reminder we need to remind ourselves of these truths how many of you have cable television in your house raise your hand you have a satellite you have cable tv you have channel it's not a trick question i'm not going to say you're a sinner don't worry Okay, how many of you have internet in your home? Have internet in your home? Okay, good. Why? Why do you have those things? Do they make life easier, better, culture changes? I mean, I'm surprised you have cable television because, I mean, it's color now. I mean, black and white was better. I mean... And I mean, especially when they went from analog to digital, why did you keep it? I mean, how dare they go to digital signal? So we don't do that, do we? Because it makes our life better. And today I talked to you a little bit about worship. And I want to just say this one more time because worship is so important. And I will not deny that there are ways that you and I each differently can get into the presence of God or sense his presence. Some of you like Gaither videos like that. Some of you like something that I probably won't show on a Sunday. And that's how you get into the presence of God. And that's okay. But do not let our preference be the only way that we get into his presence. Or you know what? God is so limited by your preference. Okay? In other words, when you when the Holy Spirit moves on you to do something in a, a situation, if you only go by your preference, if there's no music playing, how in the world will the Holy Spirit move? If there's no organ, how will the Holy Spirit move? If there's no movement of whatever it is that you need, how will the Holy Spirit move? And so what we're trying to tell us, the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us is, I want to stretch you. I want you to go places you've never been before. Why? Because he came to seek and save that which was lost. In other words, if you're here today 
and you're not lost. He has called you into relationship with him to be a part of what he wants to do. Seek and save the lost in Huron. But we're in bondage to our preference. We're in bondage to pride. We're in bondage to greed. We're in bondage to lust. We're in bondage to all these things. And so we're so consumed with our bondage that we can't set anyone free. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. He breaks our chains to set our brothers free. You'll you'll get it, I promise. So in the weeks ahead, I want you to, to help me. This is not a condemning message. This is a message about hope. And so I've tried very hard to choose words carefully so that it comes across as a message about hope and not a condemning message. But I know that my flesh gets in the way. I know that there's a prince of power of the air that will try to twist and distort what you think I'm saying. I know that you will fall asleep and wake up a few minutes later and you will miss something in context. And so I know that these things will happen. And so if you hear something that sounds like a condemning message, say to yourself, this is not a condemning message. So how could that sound hopeful? And find a way to make it sound hopeful and help me, okay, because it's hopeful. It's not a try harder message. This isn't a try harder. This is a trust him more message. And we've got to get that into context. And one last thing I need you to do. I need you to forget your past experience. I need you to forget it. Because some of you, as we start talking about freedom, it hasn't worked for you in the past. That doesn't make it less true. Your experience is not the foundation. The word of God is the foundation. So you need to forget your experience because as we start talking about freedom, you're gonna be tempted to believe the lie that it's just a, a, a fake freedom or a feigned freedom or just, you know, well, I'm, I'm meant to just carry a few chains around. No, if the word says that there's freedom, we can't, we can't settle for anything less than life to the full. So you need to ask yourself, what is the truth and then make our lives conform to truth and not make our lives match somehow the word and believe a lie. Does that make sense? So you need to forget your past. In John chapter four, greater is he is the title of today's message. John writes these words to the, the believers. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. It's odd that he's telling Christians, don't believe every spirit. I mean, obviously, if you're in church and it's the spirit, and if you're in the world, it's not the spirit. I mean, why do you, you get this? He's telling believers to test the spirits, meaning all day, every day, you are going to encounter spirits, and you need to test them to see where they come from, because every spirit that comes to you during the day will not come from God. So he gives us a test. There are other tests in scriptures, but he gives us one. Many false prophets have gone out into the world, but by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Meaning everything that surrounds what Jesus came to do, okay, not just that Jesus came in the flesh. It's that Jesus came in the flesh. He took our penalty for our sin. All of that If that spirit doesn't line up with the truth about Jesus, it's not from God. I don't care how it sounds. I don't care how it resonates with you. I don't care how it makes you feel. It's not from God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God made flesh. Okay? So if the spirit you hear during the day that comes from an anointed TBN preacher doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not from God. It doesn't matter where it comes from. You can have a dream. You can have a vision. You could have a a vision of someone standing before you looking like an angel. If it doesn't line up with the word that became flesh, it's not from God. Test the spirits. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you heard that is coming, is now already in the world. 
But you are from God, little children. You've overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, has come to live in us so we can know the truth. And according to John 8, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. There's a deception in the world but we can know the truth. I mean, we can't be lazy, we can't be indifferent. We, I mean, either the words that says you need to be diligent or you don't need to be diligent. I mean, if the word tells us and warns us, be diligent to put these things into practice, it's not a suggestion. It means if we're not diligent to do these things, there's a cost associated with not being diligent to do them. And that cost is bondage. And you can be on your way to heaven in bondage. I don't want you to be in bondage because of your bondage could actually lead you to turn away from Christ. It's quiet, but this is true. So here's the thing. Don't panic because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. See, the scripture clearly teaches us that when we come to Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. We become brand new creations. And here's the point. This is why. Because God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. Are you catching the connection? You were not saved to sit in a pew. You were not saved to get on your way to heaven. You were saved to start reconciling people to God. Everyone needs to just hang on right now. You were saved to reconcile people to God. And the enemy does not want you to reconcile people to God. So he wants to try to keep us in bondage. He wants to try to get our focus off of what we're called to do and get our focus on us. I'm not going to focus on us. We're going to focus on reconciling the world to God. Because they need him. Most of us in this room are on our way to heaven and are going to get there. A lot of the people out there aren't. And you and I need to be more concerned about them than us. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner than 99 who go to church on Sunday. It doesn't mean God doesn't love us. We were told he loves us. He loves us all. He loves that we're here. He loves that we're worshiping. He wants to give good gifts to his children. All of that's true. But the, the point is, it's 99 times better for one salvation than 99 people in this room today. And we lose sight of that way too easy. In John chapter eight, I already referred to it, but here's it. You know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. He's not just talking about your positional freedom in Jesus. He's talking about a practical day-to-day living in freedom. And if that has not yet been your experience, I pray that something within you in the weeks ahead will just latch on to this truth and you will press on until you lay hold of that for which what Christ Jesus laid hold of you. Freedom. He sets you free. Don't get bogged down by the guilt and the shame and the apathy and indifference. Christ came to set us free. Stand fast in your freedom. Amen. You're free. He has come to set you free. So why aren't we free? I mean, if I'm truly free, why don't I feel free? Why don't I act free? Well, there's this thing called flesh that gets in the way. You need to disciple your flesh. You need to disciple it. You need to disciple your flesh. 
You have been given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He has given you a spirit, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind, of self-control. You can get in the word regularly. You can worship God. You can pray. You can put spiritual disciplines into practice in your life without being legalistic because you have the spirit of God living in you. And that's what you do. You disciple your flesh. But there are other times where there are demonic forces, there are spirits involved that are literally oppressing us. I mean, you can be sitting somewhere on cloud nine. You can just not have care in the world and all of a sudden you are bombarded with the feeling of anger about somebody that, something that somebody did to you. And you're thinking, where did that come from? You don't have to go and buy into it. You don't have to invite that into your brain. You can say, no, 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 no. I've forgiven that person. I know I feel anger right now. I know I feel resentment and hurt and bitterness, but I am choosing to forgive them. I am releasing them from that. And I'm not gonna let what I feel guide my life. I am releasing them. God, right now I release them from any wrong they've done against me. Why did Stephen pray, Father, don't hold this against them when he was dying because he was more spiritual than us? No, because he's probably ticked. And he wasn't gonna let that get in his spirit. Plus he saw a vision of Jesus and that helps. Because when you see Jesus, you realize people may be throwing stones at me, but it doesn't matter because I see Jesus. Jesus, it's taught to us in Colossians chapter two. He defeated everything. We were dead because of our sins and our sinful nature, and it was not cut away. But God made us alive in Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. But Satan, like I already told you, he, he's not leaving the football field. He's been publicly humiliated. Worse than Ohio State was humiliated by Clemson last night. The enemy was humiliated at the cross. But he didn't go back to the locker room. He's staying on the field. And all of us in the stands that are watching this victory are allowing him access to our lives. And the Bible says, resist him. It says, close the door. It says, don't you do that. You are free. We cannot be unaware of his schemes, but we cannot overemphasize them either. In Ephesians chapter six, it's clear. It's clear we are fighting against a real enemy. We are not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, powers in the dark world, evil spirits in heavenly places. You've got to understand something. Every day, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you are in a war zone. And you are being bombarded by not just your flesh that you need to disciple, but by spirits that are trying to control you, that are trying to convince you to act a certain way, that are trying to get you to buy into something and put some chains on your wrists. And you have to be aware of these schemes and resist them. Because if you don't, if you start agreeing with the enemy, if you agree with the powers of darkness, you give them access to your life. Even though they don't have the right to come, you give them the right, you forfeit the right to them. That would be like an Ohio State fan walking up to a Clemson fan and saying, we beat you. And the Clemson fan taking off their Clemson jersey and laying it down and saying, man, I can't believe you beat us. Look at the scoreboard. You didn't beat me. And when the enemy comes, we take off everything that we are supposed, we're free. And he's like, you're not free. You're, you're still bitter. Look, you're angry at that person. Remember that person? Remember what they did to you? And all of a sudden, the feelings of resentment come back up. Get your eyes back on the cross. Look at the scoreboard. He's been defeated, publicly shamed. Whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's pride, it doesn't matter. It has no place in your life because you've been set free. And if the sun sets you free, you are free. But we can't walk around thinking that demonic forces aren't at work. There is a group of people that we would call the skeptics. Skeptics believe that demons aren't real 
They're just like a word that we use. Somebody overcame their demons, their past, their, their hardships. And they even, we have scholars today that will teach that demons are not real in the scripture. That Jesus, when he came, this is, this is literally what Bible scholars teach, some. That Jesus only cast out demons, he pretended. Because the culture of his day believed that there were demons, and so Jesus went along with it. That would be a deception, and the truth cannot deceive. If Jesus cast out a demon, it was real. He didn't just play along with the people that were on earth. He came as the truth, not as a deceiver. There is a deceiver, and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We're taught in the scripture that one-third of the angels, when Lucifer was an angelic being in the presence of God, rebelled against God, one-third of the angels fell with Lucifer onto the earth, and they are those principalities, darkness, principalities that we talk about. But let me tell you something. If one-third of the angels fell, that means two-thirds didn't. That means we outnumber them two to one. And not only that, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So the power of God trumps him. So not only do we outnumber them, we outpower them. Why are we giving in to this? Because we believe a lie. And we won't focus on the truth. And so the errors of the skeptics, we cannot be skeptics. They exist. In 1 Peter 5.8, we're warned to be sober and vigilant against the devil. If, we were, if there was no devil, we would not be warned to be sober and vigilant against him. Okay? The scripture warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, against deceptive doctrines of demons, not to give in to them. If there weren't deceptive doctrines taught by demonic forces, that doesn't mean a demon sits up here and teaches you. It means people, human beings, sit in actual pulpits or stand in pulpits and they deliver messages that are being influenced by demons and not by the Spirit of God. So how do you know which one? Does it line up with the word of truth? I don't care who stands where, if they deliver a message that doesn't line up with the word come in flesh, you don't believe it. Now don't go around deciding who's influenced by a demon and who's not. That's not our job. Because here's the thing, just because someone is influenced in one sermon or five sermons or 20 sermons by a demon does not mean they're demon-possessed and doesn't mean they're the devil and it doesn't mean they're on their way to hell. So stop mocking Joel Osteen. Stop mocking Benny Hinn. Stop mocking people that you think aren't right. Stop it. Who are you to condemn another man's servant? Praise the Lord. Amen for you. Ephesians 6, 11, 12, we already read it, talks about demonic forces. So we can't be skeptics, but neither can we be superstitious. The superstitious people are those that have this un- unhealthy, excessive interest in the demonic. They see demons behind every bush. Every sin, every sickness, every disease, everything is the devil. It's all the devil. It's all the demons. He ain't got that much power. And he doesn't have that much manpower to influence everything. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was hungry and he was tempted to make the stones into bread. Now, it wasn't a demon that made him hungry. What made him hungry? He couldn't eat and eat. The scripture tells us all kinds of things that can work against us, our own lusts, our flesh, the pride of life, our own evil hearts. So there's a balance here somewhere where demons exist, but they don't need to be our focus. This message, these messages, this series is not somehow to to exalt or highlight demonic forces in our world, but it's to show that they're there. It's to make sure we're aware of them and so that we understand that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. Too often, our problem is we believe, because we're Christians, that demons can't influence us. And nothing could be further from the truth. As a believer, your your spirit is sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
So you can't be owned by a demon. And we sometimes refer to this something as demon possession, but we have a false idea of what demon possession is. Demon possession is not literally to be possessed by a demon, but to possess a demon. And believers can have demons that control, influence, lead them in certain ways. The scriptures teach this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, and in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, Jesus came to set those free who were possessed by demons. But that word possessed is the Greek word zomai, and that means to have mastery over or gain control over. So Greek lexicons that really tell us what a word means are the ones that tell us that demon possession isn't so much that you are possessed by the demon, but that you actually possess one. How many of you would like to possess a demon? None of us. But the, the, Satan doesn't come to the front door and knock and spin his head around with glowing eyes. He comes as an angel of light. And if we would recognize him, we would never open the door. But because we are unaware of how he operates, because the spirit of truth teaches us, then we give in to him and we believe his lies. And he gains mastery over us. We call them strongholds. Strongholds in people, in cities, in churches, where the history just keeps repeating itself. And we can blame all kinds of things for why history keeps repeating itself. Or we can wake up and say, it doesn't need to be this way. Because we've been set free. Chains shall he break. All oppression shall cease. In Ephesians chapter 4, don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. For anger gives the devil a foothold. We've taught that all the time. We've heard that, haven't we? Don't give the devil a foothold. Deal with your anger. Okay, when anger rises up, that's not the sin. But if you dwell on it, if you stay on it, if you talk about it, if you tell others about it, and you just keep rehashing it, you are agreeing with the accuser of the brethren. And it doesn't matter whether what that thing you're agreeing with is true or not. Are you either going to be an accuser or are you going to be one that stands making intercession? You've got to release, because if you agree, the enemy comes in. James chapter 4, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Resist him, not walk in agreement with him. Resist him, meaning the feeling comes, the thought comes, the pattern comes. Resist it. Even if you give in to the pattern for a little bit, if it's lust and you go somewhere you shouldn't have gone, or you look at something you shouldn't have gone to, you're free. Close the door, resist him at any point in the process and walk in freedom. Don't be yoked again into bondage. If you woke up in the middle of the night and you went downstairs and there was a knock on the door and you look out the door and you see a robber, you see a guy there in a ski mask with a gun, you wouldn't open the door. You wouldn't creak it open just a little bit to get a better look and make sure it's a robber. You wouldn't say, hey, uh, I want to talk to you through the door here because I kind of like to get a better idea about who you are and what you're like. You'd be crawling under the bed calling 911 with a baseball bat or a shotgun. In fact, if you're Bob, you'd just swing open the door and shoot the guy. No, Bob wouldn't do that. But that's what we wouldn't do that. But we do it with the enemy all the time because he knocks on our door and we just open it a little bit. We think that the movies and the entertainment we watch that have witches and warlocks and supernatural things that, you know, it's no big deal, Pastor Tom. It's just entertainment. Can I tell you something? You have a vicious enemy that doesn't want to play by the rules, who hates you, who when you have a bad day doesn't go, oh, Sandy, you had a bad day at work today. I'm going to lay off of you. That's not how he plays. He doesn't care if you've had a bad day. He doesn't care if you're beat down. He doesn't care if you're exhausted. He's your adversary, and he prowls around like a little roaring lion seeking someone to just devour. Don't open the door a crack. 
Don't think it's okay. Don't think you can just win him over. When it comes to the thoughts, don't anything that is contrary to the word of God is called sin. If you sin, you become a slave to sin. So in other words, when the thought comes to be bitter, to be unforgiving, to be resentful, to, to lust, to whatever, and you dwell on it, you, you start walking in agreement with that thing, you have opened the door and said, come on in. And then you, God, I don't understand why I can't get free. I don't understand why I can't get free. Resist him. You're free. And here's the thing. We think we got to, you know, go through this like seven-year cleansing process of freedom. I listened to a message this week by a guy I just, I don't even know who he is, but he's just, I love him. I'm just crazy falling in love with this guy. He's just amazing. He teaches the word out of Times Square Church. And this week, I was listening to a message about Joseph. And Joseph is in prison. And in one day, everything changed. One day. And here's the thing. Joseph didn't really even have to do anything different that day. He just kept doing what he was supposed to be doing, the right thing. And in one day, God just set him free. Set him free. You know why sometimes it takes 40 years to get set free? Because we're wandering in the wilderness. And we keep going back to the same thing. It's time to be free. And I know we spent a lot of time today talking about the devil. And I don't want to do that again. And so we're going to end by reminding us Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You need to start focusing on the bondage breaker and not on your bondage. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith. To be sober means to stay in control of ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been given mastery over yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Exercise it. Ask for it. Call on it. When you are feeling out of control, call on the spirit of self-control. It's in you. Amen. To be vigilant means to not be afraid of Satan and not be unaware of his schemes. Do not be afraid of him. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. You don't have any power over the devil except by the spirit that lives in you. So if you feel afraid, start getting closer to the lion tamer. Don't just resist the devil. Draw near to God. You need to draw near to God. That's where your confidence comes from. And here's the thing. When you're in this bondage, the last thing you want to do is read the word. The last thing you want to do is worship. The last thing you want to do is pray. But can I tell you something? You discipline yourself because you've been given a spirit of self-control and you get in the word and you get into prayer and you get into worship and you just draw near. The adversary wants to isolate you from everybody. Just go be by yourself. You know, people disappoint you. People hurt you. So you just go sit by yourself and you sulk in your, your hurt and your pain. And you don't want to go to church because you don't want to be with the people. You don't want to go to the pastor because the pastor is your enemy. That's what the devil does. You know what you need to do? You need to draw closer to people in those moments. Amen. I'll preach to myself right now. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And it is for freedom that he has set us free. So here's what we need to do. Believe the promise of freedom for you through Jesus Christ is greater than you've experienced before. You need to believe that the promise of freedom for you through Jesus Christ is greater than what you've experienced before. There is a freedom that you can experience and start experiencing. I don't care what your failed experiences were like in the past. Start knowing the truth. Start clinging to the truth and start walking in that freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. The second thing, close the door. Close the door. When the Spirit comes and starts showing you where the door is open, resist the devil. 
Start asking him, Holy Spirit, I need to be aware of the enemy's schemes. I'm not gonna look for him, but when he's present, I need you to show me so that I am aware and that I close the door. And you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll do that. He'll show you. You don't have to read books on the occult. You don't have to read books on your bondage. You don't have to read all this stuff. Get closer to him. And when the enemy comes to the door and you look out and it's contrary to the word, <laughs> that's the devil. That feeling I just had, that's the devil. You're gonna talk to yourself at work and people are gonna think you're nuts. But you know what? You're gonna be free, so you don't care. Some people don't like me. Some people think I'm nuts. I don't care. I just want people around me to get free. I wanna get free. We've gotta embrace the call to discipleship. That means we've gotta get in the word. We've gotta be in worship. We've gotta be in prayer. We've gotta be obedient to the scripture. We need to be transparent with one another. We need to be accountable for one another. We've gotta also recognize there are spiritual forces at work and sometimes it's not the flesh that needs to be discipled but it's a spirit that literally a stronghold that has taken residence in our life. We're gonna end with this. A stronghold is this. It's just, think of it as a rut in the ground. Okay, because you just, I don't know if you've ever been to like a college campus where there's nice grass and it's beautiful, but there's a, a, a path through the grass that wasn't supposed to be there because the students found that it's faster to go from here to there than to take the sidewalk. And so there's a path worn in the grass. That's a stronghold. So our old patterns of thinking and our old ways of living, we've developed these strongholds, these things that we just by default, we just go this way. And they're spiritually empowered even, which makes them that much worse. And so what happens is when the temptation comes, whether it's the devil or whether it's our own flesh, and we get into that pattern, then the demons come along and they help empower that thing. And we start barreling down that road and it's a dead end. And we've got to find a way to recognize, hey, I'm in this stronghold. I'm in this trench. I've got to get out of this stinking thinking. And I've got to get out of that lifestyle and get onto solid ground again. And here's the thing. I don't care where you are in the stronghold. It, it, the, better you, the sooner you can recognize it, the better. And here's, how you, here's what you do. Help! That's all you do. Help! Because you can't do anything to get yourself out of that. I can't do anything to get myself out of that. I mean, you can call me and say, hey, pastor, I'm in this stronghold. Help me. And I'll be like, okay, let's call on the Lord. Ready? Together. Help them. Because that's all I can do. I mean, we, think, we pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars to counsel us. And for some of us, all we need to do is just say, help. The enemy's at my door. I need help. Those are the two things. And let me give you one more, three. Cultivate a God awareness. Cultivate a God awareness. Remember, God is with you everywhere. Because here's what we do. When we're in the midst of a battle, we're like, is God here? Is God here? Is God here? And here's what we should be doing. God is here. Where is he? He's here. Where, see the difference in that question? Is he here? Is God here? Is God present? God is present. Where, where is he? Ah, there he is. Call to mind what he's told you. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. I can be free. I don't have to get into this rut anymore. I don't have to get into this pattern of, oh, woe is me. I mean, please don't think I'm immune to this. Oh, I've got my own trenches and the thing is, is, I've become painfully aware of some of my trenches over the last month to the point literally of at times just weeping before the Lord thinking, you know, I got to get out of this rut. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be in this rut and oh Lord, it's going to take years to get out of this rut. And he's like, no, just ask me, just ask me. And here's the thing, I might fall back into it every now and then, but I'm going to, Holy Spirit, help me to recognize when I'm in the rut so I get out again. Let's stand together. As we get ready to close, I want us to close with a song today. And I kind of came across it a little late and didn't get the worship team to put it together. And, and so we're gonna, the words are gonna be on the screen. And I just want you for a moment to just worship. I want you to worship. I want you to just 
engage yourself with the Lord. And if you're in this place and you recognize, you know what, there are so many strongholds in my life, I don't want you to be overwhelmed today. We're gonna cover some of them one by one in the weeks ahead. I don't want you to panic. I, I want you to be aware there's an adversary that's out there. Okay? I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus is greater than that adversary. And what you've experienced in the past is ne- not necessarily what's true. So I want you to focus on truth. I want you to focus on him. And I want you to just begin to worship him and then respond to the Holy Spirit. If you want to come to this altar for prayer, it's open for you to come. If you need prayer, we're going to be here at the front. I want you to come and find us and we'll pray with you. If you want to be prayed for, please stand when you come to the front. If you want to pray by yourself just kneel and that'll kind of signal us to know but let's just close this service by focusing not on the one that puts us into bondage but on the one that is greater than him hallelujah jesus thank you for setting us free You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. There's freedom, there's freedom. yourself in bondage today you need to come to the bondage breaker you need to step out right now if you're in this room and you recognize the holy spirit has called you this this is you you recognize you're in that stronghold and you need it to be broken i want you to come find a place at this altar just begin to ask him set me free god break these chains no more of these patterns of thinking you need to release those who have offended you and hurt you you need to come You need to come. You're battling lust. You need to come. You need that chain to be broken off. There is freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom today. There's freedom today. Hallelujah. There is freedom. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great Well, let it cry out in your spirit now. All the earth will shout his name. Our hearts will cry. But today our hearts are going to cry. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom.
out to him. Just call out to him. The only person that can't get freedom is those who won't admit they're in bondage. When you come humbly before him and you draw near to God, he's here. He longs to set you free. You're not going to get an I told you so from him. He's going to set you free. Cry out to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are a good Father. Thank you for the freedom that you have given to us through Jesus. I thank you that you have set us free. And he who the Son sets free is going to be free indeed. And I thank you that over these weeks ahead, your Spirit is going to show us ways that we've opened the door to our adversary, and he's going to give us the power to resist him. He's going to give us the power to stand firm in our faith. And we're no longer going to give him access to our lives. We're no longer going to allow his chains to remain on us. We are going to walk in freedom. God, we're not going to let our past experience be our guide. We're going to let your truth be our guide. We're going to walk in your freedom that you've provided for us. And so I pray that that truth, Holy Spirit, would resonate in the hearts of your people this week, that we would remind ourselves daily that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to go to the spirit of error. I don't have to be deceived by it because I have the spirit of truth that is far greater than the spirit that's in this world. I outnumber him two to one and I'm not going to give into his lies and his deceit anymore and so Holy Spirit I need the grace we need the power to be able to do this and to walk this out and so we need to draw near to you we need the grace to draw near to you we need the grace to put into practice those disciplines of faith that are going to help us overcome our flesh that are going to help expose the lies of the enemy so that we're going to know the truth and that truth is going to lead us into freedom set us free I pray And so, Lord, I pray your blessing over this congregation today as we leave. God, I pray you'd bless us, that you would keep us. God, that you'd cause your face to shine on us, that you'd be gracious to us in Jesus' name. If you're at these altars and you want to continue in prayer, I want to encourage you to do that. If you're standing and you want prayer, we're going to come and we're going to pray with you. If you just want to wait till we can get to you, I want to invite the prayer team to come. If you see someone, I want to invite you to just begin to pray with them. If you need